District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to cfact.org. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this installment of District of Conservation. I am pleased to be joined by Tom Workman of Workman Outfitters based in Michigan. Tom, it is such a pleasure to chat with you. I'm looking forward to learning more about your guiding business and what you've been doing this past year. Yeah, thanks for contacting me. It's finally nice to get in touch with one another and yeah, looking forward to it and definitely follow all your adventures as well, too. It's it's fun to see what you're up to, too. I appreciate that. And we have Courtney Nicholson to credit for us being introduced. So Courtney, if you somehow are listening to this, thank you. It's been thank it's you. been nice to be connected to Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you talk about your foray into the outdoor industry, how you took up an interest in fishing and what led you to start your guiding business? Sure. So I started um, really, I, I, I grew up um, in the woods. Um, I didn't come from a, a background of a of a hunting or fishing family, but there was woods by us and I spent all my time in there and, um, you know, on the family vacation, you'd always go fishing and, and do all that. So I spent all my summers up in Northern Michigan and fished on some lakes up there, but I really didn't start to get into, um, uh, to fishing. Um, it was, um, and I can freely tell this, this story It's kind of funny. I'm, um, so I'm divorced and hence remarried. But I remember when we told my my kids we were getting divorced, um, uh, my ex-wife and I sat down with them. And of course, Max at the time was 10 and he and I own Workman Outfitters together. Um, and uh, we told him and he looked at me and he goes, does this mean we can fish more? Uh, yes, it does. Okay, I'm good with this. Oh my. <laughs> uh, so, so, and I, that's the truth. That was what was said. And so, um, so he and I just started on this um, adventure of just fishing together. And then shortly after the divorce, I was introduced to some people that owned uh, a fly fishing lodge in Northern Michigan. And um, I became a partner in that and um, helped to, uh, to really strengthen and grow that. Uh, business up there. And then through my son started working there and then through a series of unfortunate events um, in our lives, um, he uh, uh, we had to end up uh, starting Workman Outfitters um, through those series of unfortunate events. And uh, we did that, I think it was like in 2016. Um, and I always had this vision. We fished primarily on the Grand River in and around Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so within the Grand Rapids metropolitan statistical area, um, which includes Grand Rapids, Muskegon, the city of Muskegon, and right on down to Holland, there's about a million people that live in that in that metropolitan statistical area. And I always thought that the Grand River could, I always knew it was, was a viable fishing corridor. And if I could get people to understand that, hey, there are smallmouth bass here, there are largemouth bass, there's steelhead, there's lake run brown trout that come up, the salmon come up, there's muskie, there's northern pike, and these fish are healthy. Um, we could make a go at it with, with the business. And so that was kind of the, the impetus or the birth of Workman Outfitters. That's really cool of a backstory and just how unique the fishery is to, I thought you only just targeted uh, trout and not so much some others. And I have seen the smallmouth bass pictures too, but that's pretty cool because I've, I haven't fished in Michigan. I don't know what the fishing is like there. I've heard it's phenomenal from friends and I've seen your posts attesting to that as well. But I, th I think speaking to the fact that you can fish in Grand Rapids within city limits, even 
and just to see how how that can be vibrant. Um, what do people say when they they hear that they can fish right in downtown like Grand Rapids, Michigan? Are they astonished? Are they curious? Do they want to possibly even after going on a trip get involved in maybe restoring that watershed or those areas? Yeah, I think the biggest shock is is that people who, you know, the vast majority of our people come from around the area. We get people that come you know, from like Illinois and from Ohio and Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and stuff. But the vast majority of the people come from within Michigan and they are just shocked that there are those fish that live in that system. Um, and let alone, you know, some of the areas that we guide on, we'll guide in the Lowell Ada section. And it's, I mean, we won't see a soul up in those sections while we're fishing. And you're literally minutes from downtown Grand Rapids and you feel like you're a thousand miles from nowhere. Um, and I think that's what is really cool about that river is that, you know, particularly nowadays, people are so strapped for time. Um, and, you know, you don't have to drive two, three, four hours up north to fish. And sp you could spend, you know, instead of driving in a car for four hours, you could spend that four hours fishing um, right on the Grand River um, and have just as much fun and success as you would in any of the northern rivers and probably not see near as many people as you would if you fished the Northern rivers. Um, and so that's really what, what's the attraction to that, to that river. And people just sit there and they just say, I never knew this was so close to home. And that, that's what's unfortunate about a lot of the urban fishing environments is that, you know, people think that, you know, one of the things that we struggle with is that, oh, that river is polluted. Um, historically it may have been, um, but it has really cleaned itself up um, through the decades. And the fish that we see in there are healthy. There's a ton of biomass. There's a lot of diversity. Um, there's there's hatches that happen on that river. Um, as a matter of fact, there's chestnut lamprey that are in the river, which is the native lamprey for Michigan. Um, they don't kill a fish like the sea lamprey does. And they are a canary species. So if there was something that was really, really off of that river, you wouldn't be finding those um, those lamprey in that river. And yeah, that's the biggest shock is people just go, I never knew this was here. It's amazing what you can discover and realize you have in your backyard. And I feel like it's the same for those of us who live in other metropolitan areas. I live close to Washington, DC, and the Potomac is notorious for being known as a polluted body of water. It's not safe for consumption close to DC or within like uh, going southbound on the river, like until you reach maybe 50 miles downstream, then it's, if you want to eat the fish that you catch, it's edible, but it's still kind of like a catch and release basis type of fishery if you're fishing in the city. But I think people fail to kind of realize what's in their backyard and that they can fish. Although I have seen a lot more people going fishing in the area recently, close to the river, close to the city. So that's exciting with respect to that. But yeah, people un underestimate like the fishing opportunities near them. And they say, well, do I have to go like a few hours away into the mountains? Do I have to go to the ocean? Do I have to do this? And I tell people, no, you can actually fish in your backyard. You just have to know the conditions before you go out. Right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what you'll find is probably in your own backyard, you're going to find an unpressured fishery and you're probably going to find fish that are a lot bigger and more willing to take a lure or a fly than what you'll find in the northern waters or the northern lakes where people heavily fish those all the time. And that's what's so magical about it. You know, again, it's just it's just this huge ecosystem that's there. That's this, you know, kind of untapped maybe not untapped, but just maybe a rediscovered, you know, 
corridor that people haven't haven't even begun to consider for for a long, long, long time. And and the nice thing too about it is, you know, the city of Grand Rapids is is pumping, you know, tens of millions of dollars into redeveloping its waterfront for park for passive use, parks and recreation. Um, there's going to be dams that are going to be taken out along the way. And so you're going to have this, this continuation of this river corridor that's getting a lot of attention and rehabilitation. And, you know, people will start to take notice of that, which is a good thing. Um, you know, you know, maybe as a fisherman, you kind of want to have your secret spots, but, um, but at the same time, you know, you, you, people will protect what they love. Um, and so, you know, selfishly, I don't want people to, to to know about it, but unselfishly, I do because then you know that's just better for our business and for that river long term. I've heard from many people how awesome Grand Rapids is in terms of like the small town feel. I know people in politics who've gone there for conferences, and they've talked about the beer selection, the food selection, and I think going to what you said. I think you can strike a balance with a little development so you can draw in tourist dollars and potentially clients to fish with you, but you can still leave certain things kind of untouched. And I know a lot of cities, unfortunately, struggle with that sometimes, maintaining clean fisheries and and healthy waters, but also being able to have a a lovely waterfront where people come and and admire the view and, and respect the nature around them. And I think a few cities do that as well. In addition to yours, I can't think exactly off the top of my head, which one there's so many, maybe like Austin, Texas is, is a good example of that because I know it's a very vibrant bass fishery and people go there and there's all these different parks and many other cities kind of mid-level sized cities are really great at that too. I think Charleston is another good example, Savannah, Georgia, uh, maybe I think um, St. Augustine in Florida. So, so there are a handful that I can think of in addition to Grand Rapids, Michigan that do a good job with that. And with this last year, I know you've probably been inundated with questions and probing how your business is doing, but I'm just curious, what has been just the effects of the uh, the pandemic on your business? Have you seen kind of a surprising amount of growth? Because I know with people going fishing and even hunting, people have just seen a surge in participation. There's a lot more interest. So you, you said you were busy before we recorded. Um, kind of explain what has been your experience throughout this whole, I guess, change in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So so early on, uh, when COVID ha- when COVID started, it was um, right in prime in the middle of prime time steelhead for us, um, and then you know everything got shut down at that time, and so um, and that and that became you know early on nobody knew what was going on, and so I could sort of understand okay we, let's just get a handle on it, um, but then some of the the rules and the regs that were coming out of the state were were a little in my mind's eye, kind of goofy, you know, it started out with, oh, you know, here you can fish. We want you to go in the outdoors and fish. And then all of a sudden the governor said, you know, well, you can fish, but you can't have a motor. So some of that stuff just started getting a little, in my mind, a little out of hand. Um, And so we, at some, we just decided we need to continue to fish after we got some sense after Max and I got a sense of, okay, you know, what do our clients want? Are they wanting to go fishing? And there was just this upward demand of people just wanted to go. So we took the risk and we just decided to go. Um, and then all that settled out. And then boy, the, boy, the second half of the year, it was just incredible. I mean, COVID has really been a boom for our business, not only last year, but into this year as well. Everybody wants to get outside. 
Um, you know, everybody wants to experience the outdoors in some way, shape or form. And I have clients calling me who I haven't heard from in over a year saying we're ready to get out and we're just we, we want to get out. And so they're booking multiple trips with us. And that's really encouraging to see. Um, the other thing that really helped us out, too, was the Canadian border was closed. So a lot of the people who would go up for their you know, annual pike fishing in the in the spring or the summer or the fall were booking with us as well, too, because the Grand River is known for having a pretty good pike fishery. Um, and so we were able to pick up on that business. And um, and that has just continued on, um, you know, through through this year so far with 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 really I mean, I can't foresee it ending anytime soon. I think people are just rediscovering the outdoors. It's one of the highlights, I would say, of these uncertain times. And we've seen people debate whether or not recruitment efforts are fruitful and if it's going to get too crowded. I know there was a whole argument in the hunting space where we saw people actually chiding against recruitment efforts because they were worried about their uh, they were worried about their spots being discovered or occupied. But I think you can channel this recruitment effort and help people become molded into conservationists too, not only just to enjoy the sport, but also to kind of see the greater purpose to it and be mindful of what they're doing and how their license fees go to conservation funding through excise taxes and much more. And it's a good discovery period because we had often complained, like we have too few people. And I think we have so much space in this country uh, bar, you know, certain closed off public lands. Sometimes that happens with different closures and whatnot, but for the most part, you can access just about any public water or just about any public land in this country. And I think there's enough space for everyone to go fishing. That's just my view. I think I'm not sure if you share that, but, um, I think, uh, this is a great opportunity to introduce people to conservation. And I know you're very passionate about conservation, kind of what are your thoughts on that and what conservation issues kind of strike your mind as important today? Yeah. So, um, so I just rotated off. I was an Ottawa County parks commissioner for, for a number of years, and I just rotated off of that. So I'm pretty familiar with land access use. Um, land management and then getting people to buy into the concept of public land. Um, so I think, um, you know, kind of going back to your to your original statement, I mean, there's a lot of public land out there. And I think just, you know, people need to get this sense of exploration and wonder because there's a lot of places that don't get seen that are great hunting places, that are great fishing places. Um, you know, that usually have some type of a logging two track to get to it. Um, and so I think, you know, people need to just explore more. But I also think as part of the hunter recruitment and the fishing recruitment, I think um, I still think that that's a great idea, um, you know, because you want to continue to educate people. Um, and then once they get educated on where to go, I think in time, if 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 they really want to be a good angler, you know, as a guide, you know, we try to teach people kind of the rules of the playground. So, you know, hey, if you're in a boat and we're fishing a certain section, um, don't come in and low hole us because we're going to be going through that hole, go in up above us. So there's certain ethics, I think, that that should probably go along with hunter recruitment or with um, or with, you know, fishing recruitment just to say here, you know, these are kind of the rules of the playground because everybody has to get along. Um and we fish in crowded spots during the steelhead run. There's a lot of people that are crowded up around from Sixth Street Dam in Grand Rapids on down. And so, you know, when you do that enough times, you just start to realize, you know, 
we, we just all got to get along and share the water. And I think for the most part, people are really patient with all of that stuff. Um, but that's kind of my, you know, my summation of, 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 of land. I think anytime you can create more access, I think, I think is a good thing, but I think it has to be in a balanced approach with that access um, that goes there. Um, you know, the Grand River doesn't have, at least in the sections we have, they, the, the boat launches are pretty far apart. Um, so really the only way to get through that is through jet boats, um, which is good, but, it, but it'd be nice to see a couple more launches along the Grand River, you know, for half day trips for people who are, you know, have a, have a, a drift boat or a raft or something along those lines. And in terms of conservation issues, like what really kind of lights a fire in you, what groups are you involved in? I'm just curious. Yeah. So, so, so the groups that, that I'm, you know, that I really get, get involved in it necessarily isn't much from a conservation standpoint as, as much as it is with like experience Grand Rapids, that's the travel and destination um, uh, organization for Grand Rapids that attracts people to come down to Grand Rapids. And so I think mine goes to a higher level, which is, you know, I want people to come and see the Grand River. I want people to come and experience the Grand River. Um, and I want them to make that connection, not only to see it, but to feel it because I have such an affinity for that river that the more people that can experience that river, um, the more likely it is to receive some type of protection. And I'm not talking about, I mean, I'm talking about a, 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 any type of wild and scenic protection. I'm just talking about from the protection of, okay, if somebody wants to come and dredge the Grand River, does that make sense? Does it not make sense based upon, you know, people's uses and what they're doing with it? Um, you know, I want them to see the fish that are in there, the wildlife that's along there, um, and to have this upwelling of support for that river where they want to, you know, protect it and keep it healthy for years to come. It's important to establish that too. And I think if you hook people into an experience, they can become very vested in wanting to safeguard and protect. And that's really cool that the Tourism Bureau shares your vision because it, some of them don't really do that. It's not like they disagree with it, but maybe the place is not super outdoorsy. Although I've seen in different states in the, in the case of going to South Dakota, one instance recently, I was able to partner with them to cover a story or they brought me out to cover the Buffalo Roundup. And I've seen other agencies, I think with our professional outdoor media association, I take that back, actually, we do partner with a lot of the travel bureaus. So some of them are starting to awaken to the idea, but I, I really like that yours um, partners with you to, to kind of foster curiosity, obviously to help you funnel some more business leads, but also to share just what uh, the river that you fish on um, has to offer. Yeah, we did. There's a you know, pre-COVID, we did um, a, a whole series on the outdoor economy around Grand Rapids. You know, mountain biking was one of them and fishing was another one. And there were some other things that were involved in there too. Um, and so it's nice to see that that the travel and tourism industry for Grand Rapids is just more than, than beer and restaurants. I mean, they really are having a concerted effort to attract the outdoor people to come to Grand Rapids um, to fish and to, to, to hunt and to, you know, experience the outdoors. And I think, you know, you know, like I said, post COVID, once people start traveling again, you know, I, I really think that that city is going to be the beneficiary of it. And I think with kind of new participants coming in, they like beer and they like the outdoors. I wouldn't say it's like the hippie contingent, but it's kind of like these, um, 
kind of more conscious, uh, kind of artisan type folks who are discovering fishing and even hunting too, who like beer. So I think you'll have no trouble getting beer drinkers to come fish with you too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact, they probably, a lot of times they'll just drink it right on our boat while they're fishing. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I don't know what the rules are because I know everyone, like, even if a boat grants you permission to, uh, to drink while fishing, like I'm cautious about that. Cause it's like, not that I would be reckless with drinking and fishing as long as I'm not manning a boat, but it's like, Oh, I don't know. Like, unless they give you permission, but it, you know, your boat, your rules. So you, you get to set those terms. And I think also something that is kind of trending too. I was a reluctant fly angler and I've really grown to love the medium. And I believe that you employ fly fishing on your charter too. But if someone is curious about fly fishing and they want to learn how to do it, what steps should they take? And is it as difficult as everyone makes it out to be? Um, you, you can make anything as difficult as you want it to be. Um, and, and no, it's not, um, you know, there's a saying to begin, begin, and you just have to begin just, there's a ton of YouTube videos out there on fly fishing. Um, you know, watch those. You can take a fly fishing 101 class through Orvis or through your local fly shop. Um, you know, I'd encourage people that are interested in fly fishing to just, you know, Google where a local fly shopper is around them and just become, you know, a, a, a shop bum and just kind of hang out there and talk to the to the staff, um, maybe go on a guide trip uh, with somebody that fly fishes um, that's willing to teach you how to fly fish. Um, but to t- there's all kinds of classes out there. There's clubs, there's fly fishing clubs you can join um, and you can start out just by you know, what type of size rod do I get? Do I get a five weight, a six weight, you know, eight weight? Um, And then you can get down even deeper into entomology of the bugs that are in the river for trout or for bat. I mean, even for bass to know, you know, what type of of bugs are in the river and minnows and all of that stuff. But really to begin, just begin and just have a general sense of curiosity. And the biggest thing you got to remember with anything you start on, don't, don't get disappointed because you can't do your back cast right, right away. Um, or you get hung up in the trees all the time, or you start losing fish. Um, all of it comes, but it, but it just take it takes time. It, it really does. And, and I would say not that you can't do this, but you know, one of the things that we do is, is we target bass. Um, the bass is the blue collar fish in, in the, in the sportsman's game world. They're everywhere. You don't have to travel far to fish for one. You don't have to have the perfect presentation to catch one. Like you do a trout. A lot of times, a lot of times you just got to keep moving a fly through the water and eventually you'll get something on it. That's so true. I've learned that over the years in my really young fly fishing journey. I've been doing bait and spin casts since I was eight years old, (laughs) but I, I really love fly fishing for trout. And even for steelhead, my dad and I got to go to Pennsylvania to the kind of Gerard Erie area, which is also a great bastion of steelhead fishing. Uh, but our steelhead are more so trout. <laughs> you guys have like legit steelhead steelhead that almost is reminiscent to a salmon more so. I mean, they're all in the salmonoid family, but your your guys's I think is closer to a salmon than Pennsylvania's a little bit more. And I don't know how you feel about cotta kind of uh, emergence here on the East Coast. You must be kind of jealous that we have this <laughs> cicada oh, oh bird 
Yeah, because when they fall into the river, almost everything eats them. <laughs> <laughs> They're so annoying. And I haven't been able to use a cicada fly. And I don't know if trout would bite onto them. Although trout season is almost like over, or I think by now it's over. But everyone keeps posting how the hatch is phenomenal for for bass and for kind of more summer type species. But I bet you're you're kind of jealous that we have this all these different brood of cicadas all around us. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wish we had them here because they'd probably make the top water bite a lot more active. I mean, it's good, but you know, those things start dropping out of trees. Uh, oh, it's yeah, annoying. Sipping them. Yeah. yeah. They have this horrible siren, like faint siren sound. It's been going on for three weeks. It almost oh is gosh. like noise piercing. It feels like you have tinnitus and <laughs> you're like, you don't know what to do. And, and you know, like other, other than that, other than being annoying and omnipresent everywhere, like they are good for the hatch. They're good for fishing and they don't bite you or attack you so much, but they're just kind of a pest. That's the one thing <laughs> that we've kind of observed with them. And I think I just saw some report that cicadas are now stalling air traffic in the local area. <laughs> oh yeah. It, yeah. It was on the news this morning. It's just like, yeah, people are getting into car accidents and stuff like that. It was, a couple other crazy things with them, but, but, you know, that's all just part of that wonderment of nature. I mean, to be able to witness something like that of biblical proportions, right. Um, you know, the closest thing I had to that was I spent uh, a couple weeks up in Alaska. My son guides up there uh, from May one through November one for a couple lodges um, for the salmon and everything. But um, the closest thing I came to even seeing like a big hatch or a migration like that was with, all the salmon that were in the river up there at one time. I mean, it was just, I mean, literally hundreds of thousands of them in the rivers. It's just amazing. I've heard a lot of great things about Alaska. It's still on my place of list of places to fish, but I'll eventually get there. And that's so cool that your son guides there. And does he have success with, with doing it? And uh, he, he enjoys it too. Clients rave about his guiding skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he guides, um, this is, his. uh, at 18 years old, I shipped him on a on a plane up to Alaska. Um, and so he's been guiding for the Naknak River Camp and then Katmai Trophy Lodge for this will be his fifth year that he's been up there. But yeah, he, he he really likes it. And we've had clients that he's met up there that have gone up there and have come back and fished with us down here, um, which is nice to say. So that is a testament to his his uh, skills. He, um, we've kind of divided the business up. I pretty much do the warm water species, and then he does the cold water species because he's really a much better trout and steelhead fisherman than what I am. Um, and then I do the pike, the bass, the uh, the 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 northern or the pike, the bass. And we're slowly starting to pick apart some musky water, um, although we don't have enough knowledge to start running guide trips on that. But that's one thing we're slowly starting to move into as well too. Um, but, um, but yeah, he's, yeah, I think he's definitely well-liked and well-respected within the industry. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a friend that just moved to Alaska, so I have to probably put him in touch with your son. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he could, he could use some more friends in Alaska. He's living, gosh, where is he based out of outside of Wasilla? And he was doing some fishing and he actually lives like down the street or up the street from a char and trout tributary. So he's okay. been having a ball, but I think he could always use more friends. So I'll have to connect him with your son at some point or put your son's guiding business kind of in his attention. Yeah. And so if people go fishing with you, what can they expect on a trip? So, so what they can expect on a trip is, is one, you know, we're just going to have a good time. I mean, you're out on the river, 
Um, we're going to um, spend either a half a day or a full day, depending on what, what your time frame is. You'll get some instructions. You know, a lot of what we do is, is spin gear. Um, probably the, actually the vast majority of what we do is spin gear because people are traveling into Grand Rapids. They're here for a conference. They got a quick half a day. They just want to go fishing. Um, is what they want to do. And so, you know, we do that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll run in our jet boat typically. Um, and again, we'll be in sections during the weekday where you won't see, see a soul. You might see one other pontoon boat, um, but you won't see a soul and you're going to be out there again, thinking you're a million miles from nowhere, you know, you know, fishing, uh, you know, I, I don't ever want to get into the numbers of fish that, that, that we catch. Some days are going to be better than other days. I, you know, depending on, you know, weather patterns, cold fronts, water levels, flow rates, so on and so forth. will de will determine, you know, whether you catch a lot of fish or you catch a few fish. Um, but, um, but they're just going to have, have a great day on the water. They're going to get some instruction, good conversation. I always say to people, you know, yeah, I'm a fishing guide, but really I'm in the people business first. Um, and developing relationships with people. And then, yeah, you got to get people on fish because that's what they come for. But um, but that's pretty much, you know, what, what you'll expect. Usually you get about a four-hour trip for a half day and about an eight-hour trip for a full day. Um, and depending on when you come, we'll either be fishing for steelhead or salmon or smallmouth and, and northern pike. It's a vast fishery. And I hope at some point in one time in the future, I could come up there and hopefully we can do a guiding trip. I would love to come and fish with you at some point. It would be amazing just to experience that fishery, uh, at some point one day. Cause I haven't been to the great lakes region except for Chicago, which doesn't really count, <laughs> 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 but like to, to actually experience the great lakes region, I think would be really fun. And, and no, you, you seem to run like a great business and I have no doubt your clients are very satisfied with, with the trips and, and the success that you have. Is there any final thing you want to add the kind of like a, a last, you know, kind of moment for people to kind of leave the conversation on? You know, you know, you know, I think the big thing is, is, is maybe not necessarily specific to workman outfitters, but, you know, just, just get outdoors and, and enjoy what you have out in your own backyard. I mean, that's, you know, that's really the big thing. Um, you know, growing up as a kid here, I grew up in the West Michigan area with the Grand River kind of in my backyard. And I never really started exploring it until about, you know, 10 years ago. And, um, and, and just to get reconnected with, with where you are and you can find so much adventure and fun and connection to the outdoors in your own backyard. You don't have to go far to, to do it. And, you know, just, you know, just stay connected to it. That's, you know, that's, that's really would be my, with my parting thought. And then for those of us that are, if you're listening and you're in West Michigan, just to know that the Grand River is a viable fishing corridor and its history, its story is one of ruined or recovery. And it's, yeah, if, if you're not checking out the Grand River, you're missing out on quite a bit. You've sold me on wanting to go fishing. <laughs> and I think you'll sell many people to listening as well. And Tom, where could people connect with you, book a charter with you and learn about kind of what's happening in Western Michigan? Sure. Just go to our uh, website, workmanoutfitters.com. And that's workman with an E, not an O, but uh, workmanoutfitters.com. We got a ton of information on there um, and you can get connected to me or book a charter uh, through our website. Fabulous. That is 
wonderful. And I hope people listening do take that up and, and do reach out to you. So Tom, it has been lovely chatting with you. I hope we get to interface some time in the future. I wish you success on the charter business and hopefully you'll have many wonderful catches this summer and fall going forward. Yes. And thank you for having me. And, 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 and real quick, um, if you give me enough of a heads up, there's always an open seat for you. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll let you know. I'm not sure when, cause my schedule's busy with everything sure. starting to open up, but I would love to do that. And we can maybe film something. I would really love to like capture it on film. I think that'd be fun. Sure. It'd be a really fun experience. So yeah. Thank you again, Tom. This was yep. fun. Good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of our listenership hails from. So if you head over to Apple, subscribe, comb through some episodes, and leave us reviews, we'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds, all of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by blue check marks. Really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries.